Hi, I'm Senator Malcolm Roberts, and welcome to Our Nation Today. In this podcast, two guests join us to discuss our modern-day RSPCA. What might surprise you is that this isn't a heartwarming story. The Royal Societies for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, known as the RSPCA, dates back to 1871, when a public meeting was held in Victoria in response to the ill treatment of horses. The Queensland RSPCA was formed in 1883. The RSPCA is now a household name and many consider it a beacon of respect and care for animals. Today, the RSPCA has capitalised on its branding of animal welfare with producers and brand owners being able to use the RSPCA logo to reflect their shared vision for animal welfare. Today, we can buy RSPCA-approved meat in our supermarkets. Typically, we don't question the integrity of the claimed animal welfare standards as we take for granted that this iconic brand is squeaky clean. Several Queensland constituents recently contacted my office with extraordinary stories about how the RSPCA were conducting themselves. Since asking questions at Senate Estimates about the RSPCA, their methods and the legitimacy of their not-for-profit status, we've been flooded with more calls and emails. Their stories share many similar themes and the overall message is that there is something rotten in the state of the RSPCA. The concerns being raised are varied. The RSPCA's charity status means that they are not for profit and enjoy a tax-free status. Looking closely at the recent annual report, it shows revenue is $58 million and included in that is a $4 million federal government grant from taxpayers. The hefty surplus of $8.7 million is what prompted my Senate Estimates questions of the Commissioner for Charities and Not-for-Profits. My questions were about whether the RSPCA should continue to enjoy charitable status. We're waiting for that answer, as none could be provided on the day in Senate Estimates. The RSPCA appears to be leveraging its charity branding to become heavily commercial. I've already mentioned the RSPCA-approved meat, and today RSPCA pet shops are being set up in the suburbs. On the face of it, there's no problem. It's when we understand how the RSPCA is conducting itself under its inspectorate powers that we see a huge problem. The inspectorate of RSPCA Queensland, for example, has power to investigate and confiscate animals that are poorly treated. That's the heart of what we expect from them. What we don't expect, though, is seizure of animals based on lies. We have dozens of examples where inspectorate officers have entered properties and confiscated with no prior notification or investigation. All of this is based on an anonymous tip-off that's never disclosed to the property owners. The warrants that JPs sign sometimes use photographs of animals in poor conditions, which do not match the animals to be seized. This is only the beginning. Some pet owners have then seen their animals online for sale within just days. This is the problem when the RSPCA have a commercial arm alongside their charitable arm, when they can confiscate and sell based on misuse of powers and lies. This is a clear conflict of interest. Many pet shop owners, registered breeders, private pet owners, animal rescuers and veterinarians have experienced the full force of the RSPCA's misuse and abuse of power. Many have spoken out against this strong-arm approach and suffered the consequences. Pet shop businesses have been sabotaged when the RSPCA advises their suppliers to blacklist them on false accusations of animal cruelty. 
Veterinarians who have spoken out against this behaviour have suffered from the RSBCA spreading false accusations regarding their standards of animal care. Businesses have been decimated through this belligerent behaviour. Now we turn to our two guests who both own pet stores and they join us to share their experiences with the RSPCA. Their stories are confronting. Welcome, Shell and Nicole. Firstly, tell us about your experience with the RSPCA. I might pop on first. Um, I guess I've been in the industry many, many years. I've probably been in the industry about 20 years now. So for the last 12 years, I've owned my own store um, out in Brisbane North. Um, it was about two seven, 2017 that a um, inspector sort of confronted me. Um, at first, I guess uh, she came out. She she might talk to you for a few minutes. You tell you know I, I've been completely transparent with them, completely honest. You tell them everything, and they, they use it against you. So next time they come out, they tell they told me they had a warrant. Um, and I'm like, oh my god, you know, what have I done wrong? I've never done anything wrong in my life. Um, they said, oh, we've had a complaint. Now, I've, as far as the law, I've only had a speeding ticket probably in my life, so I guess I don't know how warrants sort of run or, or how things run. So when somebody you know, said to me, we've got a warrant, um, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll show you around. I've got nothing to hide. Let me show off my, my awesome you know, store. Um, you know, I'd spent two and a half years trying to design this store and make it the destination, so you know, I wanted to show it off. Um, at no point did I realise that, I never got handed a warrant, um, I never got read my rights, I never got cautioned, um, so I let this inspector through, um, and I guess that was the biggest stake of my life, trusting trusting this inspector that you think is supposed to do the right thing, um, and she has made my life a living hell. Um, so she's come into the, the pet shop, she's gone through everything with a fine-tooth comb, so not addressing any complaint whatsoever and um, she's just taken it to a whole new level. That's how it started off. How about you Nicole? For our business, um, it's a family business. Um, we have been, we're in our 36th year, so a long time in um, our town and um, we've um, over the years you have a good relationship with the inspectors so they'll have a complaint come from the public they come in you open with them all good okay move on um, and then last year um, they came in with a warrant one uh, Wednesday morning early we hadn't seen um, the inspector for 18 months so it's been 18 months before any contact at all in the store um, they had the warrant um, we still are yet to receive the copy of the request for warrant and we keep requesting it but they keep saying they won't give it to us till a magistrate instructs them to um, and they were in our my business for 12 and a half hours that day and um, seized as many animals as they could in that 12 and a half hours, which was um, the majority of um, volume of animals. They didn't get time to do the fish. So we have a large, um, broad animal holding in the store. Uh, we only had one dog that day. Um, the only reason um, they took him is because he didn't go up to them. There was seven inspector, uh, seven people filming him. And he didn't run up to them and say hello, so they took him because they didn't do that. He didn't do that. 
they took my whole bird room they took all my small animal room so mice rats guinea pigs uh, we used to breed specialty mice so by taking all my bird room and all my small animals mice rats guinea pigs they um, seized over 500 animals so um, they said that day they didn't want the media involved and if we could shut for the day um, the next day they released a seven minute cut video to the media did two to cameras and publicized heavily that they had seized over 500 animals thank you for that nicole and lachelle what was the uh, history in, in terms of what happened what has happened since nicole um, for me, um, three weeks later, they came to our farm again with a warrant. Um, I live on our farm out of town with my parents and my daughter. My parents have show cattle um, and they had two pet German shepherds. Um, I had a couple of pet cats um, that were all set up in their own facilities. Um, they came with 15 um, people. Um, all seizure animals. We had never seen them at the farm, ever. Um, they said we're here to seize 100 dogs, 100 cats, unlimited mice, rats and birds. Um, and they had the vehicles to um, be able to transport that many animals. Um, and uh, when we didn't have the animals there, um, they were quite disappointed. At the end of it, um, they, mum and dad's German Shepherd, they had an older girl that's 13 and a half years. Um, not my animals, um, nothing to do with my animals, they're pet animals. Um, she had had a stroke the year before after her brother had passed away. Um, but she was still doing good for a 13 and a half year old German Shepherd. Um, and they said we're taking them both, even though the two vets that were there had given them both dogs a clear bill of health for their age. Um, my parents decided that they didn't want to put the 13-and-a-half-year-old through the stress of going through to a facility and being tested, um, and they had never in their life had to put down a dog. Um, and so we asked our vets to come um to um, put her down so she could be taken after she'd passed um they were coming and then they said um they wouldn't come they had rung um for legal advice and said, um, their legal advice said don't get involved um so um they did the vets on hand that worked um for the inspectorate um did have some liquid there so they proceeded to put her down um, and dad signed paperwork to say that they would have her back in 28 days after she was tested. Um, we still have not received her body. Um, they still will not release her to us or to my parents. Um, and um, that was it basically. Um, at the end of um, the process when the paperwork was being done, they went through our house through everything they go through every paperwork everywhere they go through your house they went through my parents office they took and seized their paperwork as well as mine my businesses they just go through everything um, trying to find information what sort of paperwork did they take Nicole 
Um, old bank statements that were over 10, 12, 15 years old, I still haven't got those back. Um, they took, I do a thing called, that I call a daily and weekly task sheet for my business that has all the tasks we do every day. It's a four-page document um, each week, all the times that the team members work, all the tasks they're doing, they tick off as they do it, so tracking all what we do. Um, that has never been returned to me. All our diaries, they go through your computers. Um, I found searching after I went back and used the computers. They're looking under your emails about locations. They told us we owned a property um, at a, another town a few hours away. We've never owned, my parents or I have never owned a property in that town. Um, they went searching for that town's name in emails. Um, there was, was an old cat breeder that we used to have for over 30 years that lives in that vicinity. They found, because she emails me um, invoices over the years for um, us homing their animals, um, she then, they brought up her name and searched for records on emails and my computer, they go into all your sales in your computers or your files. They went through all my employee records all your invoices, every single piece of paper in your house, they go through. Um, they search it all. I, I've had, um, I guess my, my experience was a little bit different to Nicole, so I'll touch on it a bit more now. So in the beginning, uh, the inspector came in without a warrant, as I said earlier, and then um, she wrote me up for an animal welfare directive. Um, now that directive in, in, assisted of her coming out every two weeks um, to, to the, the store and check on things. Um, so she served me with the warrant the next day and gave me this um, animal welfare directive saying that um, you know, everything had to be you know, watered and fed and cleaned, which was, it was already happening. We do it daily. We do it multiple times a day. We have tick sheets to make sure you know, the staff was um, checking on the animals like every half an hour because puppies may need a, a refill or toilet pickup. Um, my staff would attest um, if it hits, if when an animal particularly puppies when they get messy with toiletries if it's not picked up when it's warm you're not doing your job properly um but like the inspector had come in and it just it was just ridiculous it's all subjective um you know she wrote me up for you know the, the budgies need two more toys or the puppies instead of having the shell pool um you know she wanted 10 litre buckets and I said to a man 10 litre buckets they'll, they'll chew it in like 50 seconds I, I stand corrected it's actually 45 seconds that puppies chew the the water buckets but it was all subjective. It, it had nothing to do with the law. Um, she proceeded to come every every two weeks, and she'll find something different. Now, um, being controlled for, for six months, this welfare directive went for, was a bit ridiculous because everything was completed within three days. All her requests of, you know, if the chickens needed more perches or the dogs needed, you know, different water bowls or the cats. She didn't like the cat litter. You know, she wanted me to change the cat litter. Um... You know, she wanted this done or that done. So whatever she wanted done, I'd done in three days. So that animal welfare directive, uh, looking at the Animal Care and Protection Act, should have should have been completed after you know two weeks and her never come back. Um, but she came every two weeks for six months, and I knew in the Animal Care and Protection Act what you know this was. Um, so she wrote me up for another six months, a week before it ran out. Um, and, and I just got jack of it. Like, I, I complied, I, you know, she, she'd say jump, I'd be like, how high? So whatever she asked, I did. Um, so I ended up um, taking her to 
uh, court and I, I put in for like a peace and good behaviour um, uh, sort of restraining order um, and I've got a vet, you know, full-time vet on site so if any animal looked at me the wrong way they would be taken straight to the vet and he would go above and beyond with his care of the animals. Um, so the vet was told by this inspector if, you know, if I don't pull this you know, ridiculous thing from court they would go at me harder um, so you know, we had threats of you know, them going at me harder they'll, they'll start pressing harder so they, they wrote me up for another six months of, of visits so every two weeks for a whole year they came out um, you know, some person might have got their, their bee in a bonnet about a, a puppy, so so they start, you know, a, a petition on you. So they get behind that to to get it going in the media, so then you look bad. Um, all my court stuff has been in the paper, so it, it's just defamation and slander. But I guess I guess the big thing for me, the the one thing they did orchestrate against me, which was organised to precision, was they came after me about a client cat. Now. Registered vet surgery with vet surgeons on, we you know obviously see members of the public, and I protect their privacy with my utmost, you know that that that's a given confidentiality. Um, so they've come in to the surgery looking for a client cat. Um, now this this was a month after we got robbed and arson, so so my life has been turned upside down and you know thrown into to chaos. So. My store was robbed in arson. The store ended up having to close and move. So during this move, um, the vet surgery obviously had to sort of go down to reduced hours. Um, and I guess I, I have a sense of responsibility for my staff. They're like family. So, you know, we wanted to keep them all employed, keep going, do what we could. Um, but the vet surgery did suffer in the first, first month, so we weren't able to open as usual. Um, and they came in looking for a client cat. Now, this cat... Um, uh, had been adopted by the surgery. It, it had a full health health check. Uh, it was all good, and it came back. I don't know whether they stood on it or ran over by their car or did something to it, but something had given it um, a prolapse. Um, so our vet was treating it, um, and RSPCA came in looking for this cat, which I refused to present because I didn't have a warrant. Uh, they sent me an inter- information directive. I think it was about 3 p.m. Christmas Eve, wanting answers by 5 p.m. So Christmas Eve, like the busiest day of the year, they want an information directive, which is a legal document for you to produce records. I did. She didn't like what I had to say, so she questioned what information I gave her and spoke to my vet. My vet um, assured her that was that was what he wrote on the form. I didn't have the cat anymore because the, the surgery had been um, sort of closed open part-time we couldn't do all what was necessary for the animal so I transferred it to another another surgery that we worked with um, so the cat had its full full health um, requirements done by another surgery and it was the 3rd of January so they orchestrated it when anyone can help you is closed so during sort of Christmas and New Year DAF should have shut down for two weeks all the MPs shut down for two weeks and they'd orchestrated five different warrants for five different locations by five different inspectors by five different JPs. So I think I hold the record for the most number of warrants. Um, yeah, on these warrants, um, they could be executed from 9am till like midnight, I think, um, for a certain number of days. Now, it's amazing how many inspectors put their name to it, yet I don't know these inspectors. And on this warrant, they say they know me. So I, I wouldn't know them from a bar of soap, but they were looking for this, this client cat so they've gone through my home, they've gone through the store that was arson, they've gone through a vet surgery. Um, we had a new store, um, a pop-up 
temporary store opening the next day. They didn't have a warrant for there, but they went through there anyway, um, looking for this client cat. Um, now, at the vet surgery, I was pretty much held hostage at the front reception desk for most of the day. So they they go right through your business business documents. They they go through other documents outside your business. Absolutely, I, I've, they've even gone through my personal private you know your private drawer at home. So yeah, with with my animals, um, they took my reptiles. So yeah, they took all my reptiles by my front door that was going to my house, and they said if I wanted them back, I could have them back, but it cost me twenty five thousand dollars. And for me, um, three weeks later, they came to our farm again with a warrant. Um, I live on our farm out of town with my parents and my daughter. My parents have show cattle um, and they had two pet German shepherds. Um, I had a couple of pet cats um, that were all set up in their own facilities. Um, they came with 15 um, people. Um, all seizure animals. We had never seen them at the farm, ever. Um, they said we're here to seize 100 dogs, 100 cats, unlimited mice, rats and birds. Um, and they had the vehicles to um, be able to transport that many animals. Um, and uh, when we didn't have the animals there, um, they were quite disappointed. At the end of it, um, they, a mum and dad's German Shepherd, they had an older girl that's 13 and a half years. Um, not my animals, um, nothing to do with my animals, they're pet animals. Um, she had had a stroke the year before after her brother had passed away. Um, but she was still doing good for a 13 and a half year old German Shepherd. Um, and they said we're taking them both, even though the two vets that were there had given them both dogs a clear bill of health for their age. Um, my parents decided that they didn't want to put the 13-and-a-half-year-old through the stress of going through to a facility and being tested, um, and they had never in their life had to put down a dog. Um, and so we asked our vets to come. Um, to um, put her down so she could be taken after she'd passed. Um, they were coming and then they said um, they wouldn't come. They had rung um, for legal advice and um, their legal advice said don't get involved. Um, so um, they did, the vets on hand that worked um, for the inspectorate um, did have some liquid there. So they proceeded to put her down um, and dad signed paperwork to say that they would have her back in 28 days after she was tested. Um, we still have not received her body. Um, they still will not release her to us or to my parents. Um, and um, that was it basically. Um, at the end of um, the process when the paperwork was being done, they went through our house, through everything. They go through every paperwork, everywhere. They go through your house. They went through my parents' office. They took and seized their paperwork as well as mine, my businesses. They just go through everything, um, trying to find information. Um, old bank statements that were over 10, 12, 15 years old, I still haven't got those back. 
Um, they took, I do a thing called, that I call a daily and weekly task sheet for my business that has all the tasks we do every day. It's a four-page document um, each week, all the times that the team members work, all the tasks they're doing, they tick off as they do it, so tracking all what we do. Um, that has never been returned to me. All our diaries, they go through your computers. Um, I found searching after I went back and used the computers, they're looking under your emails about locations. They told us we owned a property um, at a, another town a few hours away. We've never owned, my parents or I have never owned a property in that town. Um, they went searching for that town's name in emails. Um, there was, was an old cat breeder that we used to have for over 30 years that lives in that vicinity. They found, because she emails me um, invoices over the years for um, us homing their animals, um, she then, they brought up her name and searched for records on emails and my computer. They go into all your sales in your computers or your files. They went through all my employee records or your invoices, every single piece of paper in your house they go through. Um, they search it all. Um, and, um, yeah, so that's the aftermath. Um, and then the dealings with, um, yes, certainly all personal stuff. My parents' personal um, things, which are in a completely separate room to mine, um, their office and my office, even though the warrant was written to me, um, they go through theirs as well. Um, they, after the fact, I said about that, so they came to the farm three weeks after the store. Um, I said one trip about team members and one of my young team juniors had resigned after the raid at the store because she was getting bullied at school because she, her friends knew that she worked here. Um, and her resignation letter, I said something to him um, about a team member having to resign because of bullying, because of them going to the media. And he said, oh, yes, yes, I've read that letter. You know, just all this personal stuff that they don't need to look at. You don't need to look at communication between team members. And anyway, um, so because of the going to the media the day after. Yeah, they, they also understand, I was about to say with the media, that they want to get their message out first because that's what people tend to believe. So they shut you down, just ask you to be nice and polite and not say anything, which you did. And they went out with a carefully orchestrated and choreographed uh, video just to get the first word out to the people. Yes, and also did two to cameras. So their inspector did a to camera. That's okay, that's logical. He was in, involved with the raid and okay. But also their media um, communication person that works for RSPCA, the charity, also did a to camera. So it was carefully orchestrated. Their information was quite often wrong in what you've said. Uh, they, they didn't understand certain things. They were, they were tipped off incorrectly. Then they, then they invaded your, your parents' lives. They invaded your parents' animals. Um, their information was incorrect, and they manipulated the message to, to the public. Does that about summarise it? Oh, yeah, yeah, very much, yeah. So what we've got so far, Shell and Nicole, is they, they fabricate things, they come in like the Gestapo, 
they march through your private life, they take your animals, and then they make false accusations. And they've, and they've also shown that they haven't got the information correct in the first place. Now, uh, Nicole, you lost your animals, right? Nicole? So my parents' German Shepherd, yes, she's gone and we haven't received her back yet, even though uh, we would prefer her back to go next to her brother um, in the business. Um, so when they um, take the animals, you have the option to surrender or not surrender the animals. If you do surrender, um, the inspectorate takes ownership of those animals and then um, because I questioned them on this to ask them about the process of what happens with the animals. Um, after the inspectorate takes ownership of the animals, um, they're transferred to RSPCA, the charity. The charity rehomes the animals and keeps the money for that they um, receive when they rehome the animal. The other option is you don't surrender. So they steal your property, yep. sell it and keep the income after you've bred these animals or purchase them in to resell them in the business because it's a business. Um, so you do um, buy it like the birds. Um, the birds only breed, like reptiles, only breed spring, summer. So you buy the animals in when they're available and then you have them throughout the year to be able to have a stock to sell and then you build up again the following year when they breed again. So um, they're taken so you don't have any stock to sell again. Um, the other option is you don't surrender the animals um, and if you don't surrender the animals, they start charging boarding from the day they take them. So like the one dog that we had in store that day that they took, um, I have never surrendered that animal, um, so I am paying boarding for that animal. However, they did tell me two days later that that animal is in foster care. Um, even though they took it on behaviour issues, it's in foster. It went straight into foster care. Um, so I'm paying boarding for that animal, um, and then they have to charge you within 28 days for anything they want to charge you with for that animal. Um, so we did find a loophole that we could surrender the animals without agreeing to the terms of the surrender. Um, my lawyer found that loophole, so we did that. The reason I surrendered all the mice and the birds um, is they said this would take two years to get to court. Mm, typical mice lifespan is 12 months, 18 months, and they charge $6.30 per day per mouse for boarding. They, and a mouse only sells for $8.99. So business-wise, it just doesn't add up, and this poor little mouse sitting there waiting um, also, they charge $9.15 a day per bird per day. So business-wise, it just wasn't right for the animal for me to say, you've got to sit there and wait for me till this gets to court in two years' time and we figure all this out. Um, so a few of the animals, like the dog I didn't surrender, um, that I'm still paying for, the boarding, and my boarding and bills and all that stuff is now over 100000 um, in the last statement. Uh, it's just, there's just no logic behind it. There's just no, uh, it's just, it's just, you know, and all your customers that come in regularly, they also, with the media for us, um, because they did the seven-minute cut video and then every media channel picked it up, 
um, state and national and international, um, they the consumers they just thought we were shut. So our um, customer numbers dropped 40% overnight. And only because we've been here so long is all our regular customers drop in and say, we just thought we'd check you're open and come past. Um, but And if it wasn't for them, we still wouldn't be upright. We just, you couldn't function. You can't pay your bills. This sounds like theft and extortion. Absolutely extortion. Well, it doesn't seem to be any right behind it. It's hideous. Well, as soon as you're before the courts, as soon as they charge you, um, no one will help you. Shell and Nicole's stories are extraordinary and not what we expect of a charity that is supposed to champion care and respect for animals. This unconscionable conduct is exploiting its charitable and tax-free status to create a multi-million dollar business. Its strong-arm approach is clearly outside of acceptable conduct under both the acts. The RSPCA have become a law unto themselves, issuing warrants based on lies, not going through due process to investigate before seizing animals, extorting money out of people for housing their stolen animals, and then annihilating local private businesses through negative media and malicious lies. It's quite a rap sheet for the warm and fuzzy, cuddly RSPCA we all grew up with. This belligerent and intimidatory behaviour must stop. Their exploitation business model must be stopped. So I'm calling for the RSPCA to be deregistered as a charity. I urge everyone to take your complaints to the ACCC, that's the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, and to the Charities and Not-for-Profit Commission for Investigation. Everyone who donates to the RSPCA, please think again. Any RSPCA employees, past or present, are invited to call my office and share your stories. Their behaviour has gone under the radar for far too long. We need to bring the RSPCA back to the animal welfare organisation it is supposed to be. Thank you for listening to Senator Malcolm Roberts on Our Nation Today.